29th, 2017. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chechesko. Not really. Chet, the Eagles are 10-1 <laughs> and just rolled the Bears Sunday at the link. Total domination. What is going on here? Maybe a couple of tougher tests the next two weekends. We will talk about all of that here this evening if those uh, guys will stop chanting. Well, Chet, we've got an Eagles expert, Brandon Lee Gowton from Bleeding Green Nation, back with us tonight to talk all things Eagles. But, hey, Chet, before we welcome Brandon, I'm going to throw something out for you, for all of us to ponder. All right? This job by Jim Schwartz and the Eagles' defense is as good as it's been in a long time, including Jim Johnson and Buddy Ryan teams. So I'm going to leave that with you. Let's welcome Brandon to the show. Welcome, Brandon. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Hey, Brandon. Thanks for joining us once again. You were last here back in mid-August before preseason game number two when I'm pretty sure the three of us all predicted the Eagles would be 10-1 and at this point and the favorites to go to the Super Bowl. Am I remembering that correctly? <laughs> Yes, I, I think that's exactly correct. I think we all said Carson Wentz was going to be the MVP and Doug Peterson was going to be one of the very strong candidates for Coach of the Year. I think we all saw this coming. Yeah. <laughs> all we needed was uh, lottery numbers, right? <laughs> yeah. I did check, Brandon. At the time, your official prediction was 9-7 and seven or 10-6 and six at best, you said. Bill and I also said 10-6. and six. Yeah, that's what most people thought. Nine and seven, maybe ten and six. And you wrote a nice piece for Bleeding Green Nation just today, in fact, about the many pleasant surprises from this year's Eagles team. And there have been a lot of surprises, have there not? It's been almost everyone. You could almost make a shorter list of the the things that haven't been surprising. I mean, you just go down the list. Again, it's Doug Peterson being a guy who a lot of people were skeptical of, and I think rightfully so when he was hired now suddenly being coach of the year candidate and Carson Wentz going from being uh, a guy who certainly showed promise as a rookie, but there was also some struggles there and we thought there'd be some growing pains and now he's in the candidacy for MVP. So it's just any the leading pro bowl vote getter. I mean, it's kind of crazy how this thing has progressed. Uh, That's, that's the NFL. Sometimes, sometimes these big jumps happen. You can never rule it out. That's part of what makes the NFL so exciting and fun to watch, but it certainly has been an unexpected season. Well, Brandon, as a follow-up to my little tease there about the defense, I'm, I'm actually kind of serious. You know, they uh, when it mattered against the Bears, and granted it's the Bears and they're not necessarily a great football team, but it's still a National Football League team. First half when it mattered most, zero first down, six yards rushing, 27 yards passing. There, you know, I think Carson Wentz and the offense are getting all the press. Jim Schwartz and his defense is lights out at this point. 
Yeah, it's been huge for this Eagles team. I think the Bears were averaging something like 130 rushing yards per game. And if it weren't for a missile Trubisky scramble for 11 yards in garbage time, it would have been negative six yards for the Bears on Sunday, which is just crazy. It shows you how good this defensive line has really been. They're just not allowing teams to run on them. Hunter Cox, Timmy Jernigan are stopping things up the middle. The whole defense is coached well. Uh, you're not seeing a lot of mistakes and errors. You have to give the coaching staff a lot of credit as well. But these, these players are really playing to the best of their ability. Uh, they're talented players, like the guys I just mentioned, and then the defensive ends, and Brandon Graham. Then you have Vinnie Curry playing well. The guys off the bench, Derek Barnett and Chris Long, can contribute as well. There's just so many talented players on this team, and everyone's really stepping up, even the guys you wouldn't have expected a lot out of, such as Patrick Robinson being a really nice cornerback in the slot, and then just the cornerbacks overall being a huge position of concern going into the year, and all of a sudden they're playing pretty well. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the cornerbacks. Uh, everybody was talking about maybe Patrick Robinson possibly not even making the team in August. He didn't look good in the preseason. Uh, he was said to not have a great training camp. How can guys outperform so much? I mean, we thought that Kendricks was maybe going to be traded or not get much playing time. He's having a great year. How can guys just turn it around so quickly? It's really a, a great question. I think the thing with Patrick Robinson to remember is he was a first-round pick a long time ago. So the talent was there to some extent. It just didn't always manifest itself. And one of the things that Patrick Robinson was good at in the past was playing in the slot. So that wasn't a total surprise that he's played well there. He's had had some success playing there. One of the other issues with him is that he's had injuries in the past couple stops. The fact that he's been able to stay healthy is a big thing as well. But I think the most surprising thing about Patrick Robinson is when the Eagles have had to use him on the outside and they, they've had to do that points. He's played well. And I think, you know, I think coaching certainly helps with that. I think playing on an Eagles team that has such a great defensive line and gets pressure on the quarterback certainly makes his life easier as well. But I think you kind of just have to give some credit to him for really stepping up and maybe just kind of really getting fit in to this defense, learning the scheme, buying into the system and giving maximum effort. I mean, it's, it's been a great season for him. And honestly, I don't think he'll make it to the Pro Bowl, but I think he's kind of had a Pro Bowl-worthy season. Well, well you know, speaking of the defensive line, you know, you, you ran off all those names, and there's, there's certainly more than four, six, or seven, uh, or maybe even eight that are rotating in there. Uh, I don't see that there's a whole bunch of scheming going on. We just got better football players that are, you know, it's not like there's blitzing here and blitzing there and all kinds of crazy stuff. We're just whipping them up front, and it's happening every week. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, a feature of the system that Jim Schwartz likes to run. He does have a – it's a simple – in the in the terms of an attack defense with the wide nine. And like you said, it's to some extent, it's about telling your players to kind of just line up and go after it and go attack the passers. So that's what they've been able to do. They've been getting the most pressure in the NFL in terms of total pressures generated according to pro football focus. They also are really good at stopping the run, as we've seen. They have the number one run defense. So kind of all starts with that defensive line there just being the strength of this team. We've seen the Eagles just blow teams out in recent weeks, three or four touchdown wins. Um, should we expect more competitive games out west against the Seahawks this Sunday night and the Rams a week later? Yeah, I would think they have to be. I mean, you're playing on the road, of course, which is always a challenge when playing away from home. 
Uh, the, the Seattle Seahawks are are really good in terms of when they're playing at home. I know they've lost their past two home games, but they're 42 and eight in home games in their last 50, and they're actually and uh, they're the last 113 out of their last 115 games. They've either been leading in the fourth quarter or it's been tied. So or so it's it's always gone down to the wire with them in those games. There's never a game, or at least regularly, where they're getting blown out or they're having this big loss. So I think it's going to be competitive this week for sure. And then you have the Rams. I mean, they're scoring a lot of points as well. They have talent on that defense. Wade Phillips is a very good coordinator. So these two games out on the West Coast should be a really good test for this, especially relative to what they've faced recently. Well, Brandon, let, let's switch the other side of the ball. Let's let's talk about that offensive line on the other side of the, you know, in the other side of the trench, if you will. Uh, the running game is blossoming. Once they got Wisniewski in there and settled him in, that um, even without Jason Peters, this, uh, you know, the Eagles seem to pretty much be running at will. Yeah, this Eagles running game has been another one of those pleasant surprises because before the season. <clears throat> You really questioned if they had the running backs here to have an effective running game. You know, LeGarrette Blunt did some nice things with the Patriots last year. There are questions about how productive he would really be here coming off such a big workload in New England and getting older in terms of age for a running back in the NFL. So there were questions about that. Uh, you know, Donnell Pumphrey didn't look ready at all. He didn't. He made the team and then got put in IR. Wendell Smallwood didn't necessarily show the, the, anything that would have you super confident in him. And Corey Clement had a, a decent, a nice preseason, I would say, but he certainly wasn't looking like uh, a guy that you, you certainly knew he was going to give you guaranteed production. So the fact that this offensive line is step up and create holes for these running backs has certainly helped them a lot, I think. But you, know, you have to give them credit as well. I mean, they've made plays. They've They've gotten – they've taken advantage of the room they've been able to, to work with there and, and they're getting yards after the contact too. So it's, you know, the offensive line certainly helps, but you know, they deserve credit as well. Back in the beginning of the season, we thought that either blunt or um, one of the other guys, maybe Smallwood would eventually carry the load. Smallwood is now nowhere to be seen, but they're still going with the running back by committee, blunt Clement, you know, they're just mixing it up. Um, and, of course, the new guy, uh, Jay Ajayi. Are they going to continue to go with this running back by committee the rest of the way? I think so. I think it's working for them. I feel like, you know, they figure why change a good thing if it's really working out for them. I think if it comes to a point where Blunt starts to become not as effective, then you, I don't think they're going to be hesitant to kind of put Jay Ajayi in there more or Corey Clement. I think for now, again, it comes down to if, it's, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So, uh, I do think it'll be interesting to see if at some point Jay Ajayi gets some kind of more carries here because the Eagles did trade for him. and He's obviously a very talented player. He's averaging 9.7 yards per carry so far with the Eagles. Maybe we'll see him used more in the playoffs. But for now, I don't think we'll change it unless uh, it really needs to be changed. Hey, Brandon, up there on that offensive line, you know, when they put Big V in there uh, to replace Jason Peters and uh, – He's played pretty. He seems to play pretty well. Uh, he got a couple holding calls last week. One looked like might have been a little bit of a dive by the defense, but he's played pretty well. Have you looked at him really up close to uh, kind of study his film and and what's your take on how he's played? Well, my take on Big V is that I think it's been a great thing for the most part that we haven't really heard his name called a lot. And honestly, if you're not paying too close attention to it, I kind of forget that. 
you know, he is starting there. And then that's kind of an issue, or at least it would be the issue that you would think it would might be immediately after Jason Peters got hurt. You know, I, I think big V isn't an ideal starting tackle overall. I mean, I think you can do better, but in terms of what he's been able to do and come in, he hasn't been bad, which is basically all this team really needs right now. I think it helps that the Eagles have a good blocking tight end and Brett Selleck, they can kind of stick him there over that side if they need to. They can do some things to scheme around Big V being in there. But I think to Big V's credit, too, he hasn't been a disaster, and that's great for this team. Brandon, what about the wide receivers? We're seeing Alshon Jeffrey come on a bit of late. Uh, Nelson Aguilar continuing to make a, a big play here and there. Uh, I think the only disappointment for me maybe has been Torrey Smith, but what's your take on the wide receivers this year? Yeah, I mean, Alshon Jeffrey kind of got off to a slower start this season, but as you said, we're really starting to see him turn it on recently. Uh, the touchdowns are up. The receptions are up. He's getting more involved in this offense. That's a great sign for this team especially considering that they were ha- able to have so much offensive success without him playing a major role earlier in the season. Now he's getting involved. That makes the team that much better. Uh, you have Nelson Aguilar, who's been a major surprise. If we're going and continuing to talk about major surprises for this team. I mean, he's been great. He's been dangerous in the slot. He's uh, gives the Eagles just a bigger threat there than I think Jordan Matthews really provided in terms of after the catch for sure. So, it's been great for the Eagles to have him. And then Torrey Smith, yeah, you're not getting great production out of Torrey Smith. Torrey Smith does bring a couple things to the table in terms of the deep threat, and he's able to draw defensive pass interference penalties among uh, at the best rate of some receivers in the league. So he gives you something, which is certainly more than a lot that the Eagles receivers gave you last year. I mean, he's, he's not an ideal long-term guy, but one guy who could be is Matt Collins, who seems to be making the most of his reps as well. So, uh, in, in the last Eagles game against the Bears, it was almost a 50-50 split with Mac Hollins and Torrey Smith there. So I'll be interested to see if we start to see Hollins getting more playing time here down the stretch. Brandon, looking at the league stats, you, you don't see any Eagles except for Carson Wentz in those stats on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I thought it was really crazy that after 10 games, not one Eagle – had had a 100-yard game uh, receiving. I thought that was really something, the way Carson Wentz is spreading the ball around. Yeah, and there's only been 100-yard rusher, too, and that was Garrett Blunt back in week four. So it's kind of been cool how this has been a team that spread the ball around. They've shared it. Uh, it makes for a cool team dynamic where I think everyone kind of enjoys being able to spread the ball around. seems like all the guys are happy that the team is winning and not being so concerned about personal production all the time. Uh, they're really you can get the sense that that's a, a big theme in the locker room. Alshon Jeffrey had said earlier this season, you know, one of us eats, we all eat. So they have that team mentality. And then just in terms of what that brings as an offense going against a defense where a defense can't just simply take away, let's say, you know, Odell Beckham. They can't just key in on one player on this team. I mean, there's a lot of guys who can do a lot of different things. I think it makes the Eagles offense that much better. And I do think, to some extent, it's, oh, it's obviously a credit to Doug Peterson as a play caller. It's also uh, it's a good reflection on Carson Wentz, who's been able to share the ball and not just have to rely on one guy. All right, Brent, uh, big two-game West Coast trip coming up. Uh, what's your prediction? How will they do with the two games in Seattle and Los Angeles? I mean, this Eagles team is so good. They're playing so well right now that I don't think – 
winning both of those is out of the question. But I think, you know, we're going to be, quote-unquote, realistic about it. I think they could drop one of these. Uh, Seattle, to me, even though I think I'm taking the Eagles to win, it's just, it's a tough thing. Again, they play so well there. I know they've lost their last two at home, but it's it's never a gimme for that in that situation. I think they might beat the Seahawks but lose to the Rams. Uh, this Rams team is really good as well. They have a high-scoring offense, and as I said earlier, they have some defensive pieces there too. So that'll be a really good matchup of not only Carson Wentz versus Jared Goff, but the two possible head coach of the year candidates in McVay and Doug Peterson as well. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that one a week from Sunday. Um, Now another uh, question for you. Um, Two-parter, do you think the Eagles will end up getting home field advantage for the playoffs? And if they don't, what would be the toughest road matchup for perhaps the NFC Championship? I think they end up do getting it because you look at their schedule here, and uh, I think this team is just playing so well that I think they maybe only drop one more at most here, and, and that's not counting if there's some kind of situation where it's week 17 and they get right. the rest of their starters. I think you know I think they lose only one more game that would be competitive. So I do think the Eagles secure home field here. I think they've just been so good that I trust them to do that. And I think if it this is the worst case situation and they don't get it, I think uh, the team you're, you know, they could end up playing or some of these tough teams that you don't want to play, I would say would be a Seattle. You don't want to play there for sure. If you can avoid it. And you, and I think Atlanta, you know, I don't know if that's necessarily the toughest place to play in terms of a environment in that new stadium, but they're starting to heat up. And that's a team that obviously had a chance to win the Super Bowl last year. If they didn't blow a huge lead, they have some weapons they can get after it in the passing attack. So that's another team to kind of keep uh, an eye on. Well, Brandon, we've talked for a little over 15 minutes about the Eagles, and we've talked very little about the main man, number 11, Carson Wentz. I, w- I want to put you on the spot just a little bit. And, and you know, as you say, every most of what he's done has been surprising. But what has surprised you the most? Is it the pocket awareness, the game awareness, the deep ball uh, or his progressions, what, where do you see him being the most improved? Yeah, I think it's just the amount of progression overall that he, he came from being as a rookie where it just seemed like I kept cautioning it before the season that, look, you know, this guy isn't a finished product yet. It's going to take some more time. I know he had a really good training camp that I got to see. So it, it's not like he was looking bad this summer, but I still thought, there could be some issues there with the accuracy, and I still think we see that time to time. I think he has a, a tendency to overthrow guys a little bit more often than you would like. But again, not a finished product. I think it's been incredible how he's just really mastered this offense in terms of knowing where to go with the ball, reading the defense pre-snap. I think that's so underappreciated because that doesn't show up in the statistics. You really have to watch that and really have to have an understanding of higher than any of us really could. You have to be in the coaching uh, the quarterback room and, and be with the coaches there to kind of know exactly all what the play calls are and what's going on. But as far as we can tell, you know, Carson Wentz is having an MVP type season and that's a big reason why this Eagles team is 10 and one. Speaking of the Eagles being 10 and one, Brandon, what has this season done for you guys at bleeding green nation? I'm guessing uh, a little more interest on the part of fans out there. <laughs> yeah. It makes it certainly, certainly makes it a lot more fun. You know, it's, Oh, yeah, Uh, definitely. It's an exciting time. I I think, you know, I I was thinking about it, and this might be the most exciting time that I can remember, you know, as as an Eagles fan, 
at least at least in the, a very long time. So it, it's great to be in the situation where you can uh, just think about to the future and think about uh, instead of being worried about the draft or free agency or something like that, you're thinking that this team has serious potential to go in a run. I mean, there's every reason to think that. They're 10-1. It's not like they're just narrowly beating opponents or doing something fluky. The defense is legit. Carson Wentz is playing at a very high level. He looks legit. It's offensive line, the coaching. There's a lot of pieces here that make you think this is a real thing. This, this team can make a run, and there's a lot of good football left to be played, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. Brandon, one final question I have for you, and it's off of the Eagles just a little bit, but you rely a lot on social media with the things you do, Twitter and all those kind of things. What is your take on how the whole Twitter world got a college football coach fired when it went absolutely berserk? And and how do you see that in the future as as you you know are so involved in social media? Do you see this really being a major issue down the road? It sure is at uh, Tennessee. Yeah, I think you know social media. There's a lot of great things that can happen through that. Uh, we see that um, through some of the things that we've been able to do in, in events and interactions. And it's great to see, you know, the people that listen to us and it's great to interact with the people that, you know, we like to read or listen to. There's, there's definitely a lot of good things that can happen, but there's also a lot of uh, negative things that can happen. It's, you know, it's just the nature of, of what it is. Uh, I, you know, I haven't followed that situation specifically enough to know the exact details, but, uh, you know, it, it is a crazy time where, you know, things get put out there. You see it with even bringing it back to the Eagles here, just, you know, there could be a rumor in free agency or, you know, something that kind of just starts and it's unsubstantiated, kind of just comes out of nowhere and then it gets shared and there's no verification. So, you know, it can be uh, a situation where information isn't always shared at a, a an, an environment where accuracy is always there. So, uh, again, there's there's good things and there's bad things. Brandon, the Eagles have been scoring a lot of points. They're great in the red zone, which means we see a lot of touchdowns. So what grade would you give the Eagles for their touchdown celebrations? <laughs> I would, I'd give them an A+. Plus. I think it, what they've done <laughs> this year has been fun. It's been creative. I think it shows a lot of awesome chemistry on the team. Uh, they score a lot of them, so they certainly have a lot of opportunities to do it. And you have to give some the defense some credit too for for pulling out the electric hmm. slide. So I think it's fun <laughs> to see. I know some people aren't into it, but I think it, it's fun. Yep. And speaking of fun, I know Brandon that uh, like me, you're on the 76ers bandwagon. What do you think of those 11 and 8 Sixers? I, I like it, man. I think you know you look at what they've done this year. They've had, I, I believe, they've had the toughest schedule in the NBA so far. So 11 and 8. Uh, I think that's pretty good, especially considering, you know, what this team has been coming from. I think we're seeing good progress from this team. They have some things to fix. You know, they can get better. But I think they'll, once they start to face a schedule that little normalizes out a little bit, it's not the toughest in the NBA. You know, I think this is a playoff team. I think there's a lot of reason to be excited about this team. Well, Brandon, hey, as we wrap it up, can you go ahead and uh, give us your list of places that the listeners can find you? And Because uh, I know you're all over the place. Go ahead and yeah. lay it out there. Yeah, so you can read my work at BleedingGreenNation.com. You can check out our podcast info. That's BGNRadio.com. You can check out my Twitter. That's at Brandon Galton. 
And then you can check out the Bleeding Green Nation Twitter. That's at Bleeding Green. Very good. Well, Brandon, we appreciate you stopping by and taking the time. Always great stuff. And uh, looking forward to maybe doing this again as we get into the playoffs. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, Brandon. Thank Thanks, you. Brandon. All right, now let's take a break and allow me to tell you about the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA. Always a fun time at the Irish Rover. Great dinners, steak, chicken, ribs, seven or eight varieties of burgers, awesome sandwiches and wraps, not to mention superb gourmet wings. A new express lunch menu also. This Saturday night, the great band Well Strung is at the Rover. Sunday night, watch the Eagles knock off the Seahawks on the Rover's many big TVs. And next Wednesday evening... It is Guinness Night at the Irish Rover. Enjoy a Guinness draft and keep the... Not a Guinness fan? Fear not. There are 23 other beers on tap. The Irish Rover Station House on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorne and on the web at irishroverstationhouse.com. Bill, I played that little Beatles clip for a reason. The Magical Mystery Tour album came out 50 years ago this past Monday. And it happened to be the very first album that I owned. Loved that back then as a young'un, and I still love it today. Plus, heck, the Eagles this season is something of a magical mystery tour. Yes, it is. Good good choice. <laughs> Speaking of good choices, uh, you want to talk to our pal Fred? Yeah, there's Fred with us. Let's get this thing rolling. I, I think haven't we heard do. any music, got music. There it is. Time to welcome our fantasy football guru, Fred Hugo, back to the show. Fred, welcome. Hey, how are you guys doing tonight? Doing great. Hey, hey let's talk a little who's in, who's out this week. Then we're going we're gonna to get to our picks. We're going to talk about uh, what you're thinking about the birds right now. Ah, great, great. All right, I'll, I'll jump, uh, jump right into it then. Fantasy week 13, this is, so for some people, it's, it's a, the first week of the playoffs um, in my league, we have one more regular season um, uh, week. But um, I'm going to start at the quarterback position, as I always do. You're going to start <clears throat> Phillip Rivers versus the Browns. He had a great week last week, and uh, the Browns have a terrible pass rush, so that's a definite start there. I would sit quarterback Matthew Stafford at the Ravens. It's a bad matchup as well as Stafford looks a little banged up from the injury on Thanksgiving. At the running back position, I told you to sit him last week but we're against the Eagles, but this week we're going to start Jordan Howard versus the 49ers. I'm going to sit running back Jarek McKinnon. The ride with him is over. Mary's the, the main guy there and gets most of the carries. At the wide receiver position, I'm going to start Mike Evans. He had 12 targets in week 12, and he's getting more and more targets every week with, with Fat, Fitzpatrick as opposed to Winston. At uh, the wide receiver I'm going to sit is Dez Bryant on Thursday night. Um, he's no longer looks like an elite receiver in a bad matchup with, with Josh Norman. At the tight end position, I'm going to start Delaney Walker versus the Texans. He's had 10 points in uh, 10 plus points in five straight weeks. I'm going to sit, and this, this might be a shocker to some, I'm going to sit tight end Jimmy Graham against the Eagles. He's had double figures every week since week two. But the Eagles' defense hasn't given up – in eight out of the 11 games has, hasn't given up double figures to the tight end. I think the Eagles will, will, will shut him down this week. Uh, defensively, I'm going to start the Raiders' defense against the Giants. 
I would have started him against Eli, but I'm no question starting him against Geno Smith. He's definitely good for a pick six. Uh, defensively, the, the defense I'm going to sit is the Seattle Seahawks defense against the Eagles. Their secondary is injured. And then, and of course, Carson Wentz. Uh, the kicker position, I'm going to start Matt Bryant versus the Vikings. The Falcons move the ball well, but I can I can see them getting stopped in the red zone. So maybe a bunch of field goal opportunities there. And then the kicker to sit is uh, Phil Dawson of the Cardinals versus the Rams. And uh, I'll be posting up, as I do every week, a start one, sit one on fredandbutter.com. That goes more in depth um, in each player and why I'm starting or sitting them. All right. Sounds good. Very good. Well, hey, Fred, uh, before we get to our picks, Chet, how did we do last week? And um, I got to think I'm still in pretty good shape here. Well, yeah, but we didn't have the same picks last week because, Bill, you may not recall this, but you picked the stinking Cowboys to beat the Chargers on Thanksgiving when that did not happen. Plus, we all got the Saints-Rams game wrong. So you were 2-2 two and two, while Fred and I were each 3-1. and one. That means the standings are quite tight right now, Bill. You may be sweating a little bit. You are at 26-12. and 12. Fred just one game back now at 25-13, and 13, and I'm only two off the pace at 24-14. and 14. So there. Mm. Get a little tighter. Get a little tighter. Well, we're going to pick yep. them again. And let's see. Uh, I'm kind of excited to see where you guys want to go on Thursday night football. Washington at Dallas. Washington, minus one and a half. Wow. Don't Dallas think. stinks. Dak Prescott, he, he's not the same quarterback without that offensive line pumping and that running game going. Uh, the Redskins beat the Dallas Cowboys. Battle of these two NFC East rivals, both 5-6, and six, both clinging to faint playoff hopes. I look for the skins in Big D to put another nail in the Cowboys' coffin. I agree with Fred. Well, and you know, I, I went with Dallas last week because they said they would man up and play professional football like big boys, and uh, how wrong was I? So I'm certainly not yeah. going to go down that road again. I'm going to take the Redskins as well, although uh, it's not going to be easy to get out of Dallas and win, I don't think. But I'm going Redskins. All right, so, Next. Fred, that brings us to the pathetic New York football Giants at Oakland. Oakland minus eight. I, I, at this, how can you ever pick the Giants any week? You know, I, I would say maybe Geno Smith, with how bad their line is, would, would get some uh, um, scrambling points and, and pick up some yards, maybe get a touchdown or something scrambling. Or, but there's no way. That spread's too, too big, and they're going all the way out to the West Coast as well. They're in disarray. Um, taking the Raiders. Yeah, no Eli, no difference. The Giants stink, as Fred said, and I'm sure Bill will repeat that. The Raiders win this one easily. Yeah, I tell you what, we talk about uh, – I, I will throw this out in the middle of this here since even though we're doing our picks. I was really surprised at the response from the retired and the veteran uh, New York Giant players and the uh, – Respect that they've given to Eli on this whole thing. It really surprised me that uh, he had a whole lot more respect coming from them guys than uh, than I expected from him. So, uh, but with that said, the Giants still stink. Doesn't matter if he's a quarterback or not. They're two and nine. Change is going to be made when you're two and nine. So he, they're out. It's Oakland. Yep. All right, Fred. Chet has a throw-in game for us. Vikings. At the Falcons, Falcons minus three. Who you like? 
Oh, in the Case Keenum train, Keith Rowan. I um, three. I'm I'm going to take the uh, Falcons at home. I think they're 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 getting over that Super Bowl hangover. They're starting to get into do a rhythm here with the new offensive coordinator. It'll be a tight one. Um, I'm I'm going to take the Falcons. Kind of scares me that I'm agreeing with pretty much everything Fred is saying tonight, but so be it. A Vikings loss is a plus for the Eagles, and I think the Falcons, who, as Fred indicated, are getting closer to their 2016 form, will get it done. The Falcons at home hand the Vikings loss number three. Well, here's your chance to make up a game, boys, uh, or we're going to widen the gap because I'm going Vikings. They're playing really good ball. Uh, the Falcons, I, I just never, can't ever get them right one way or the other. So they're inconsistent. One week they're good, one week they're bad. I'm going Vikings, even though it's on the road. Uh, Vikes to win. Interesting. That brings us to the Eagles visiting the Seahawks with the Eagles minus six. How do you like this one, Fred? Oh, my God. I love the birds. I, I love them. I, I don't, that's, that spread is huge. That's the uh, first time – what did I read? The first time in, since 2012 that the Seattle Seahawks are underdogs at home. At home, yeah. Um, the, the D-backs are banged up. And, and um, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure Byron Maxwell is getting, getting a ton of snaps now at this point. I just – it will be a close game, and, and they'll be wild, and it'll be loud there. But I just – I'm very confident in, in, in Carson, really. To, that the Eagles will be able to uh, to take this one. So I'm going to go with the Birds. I can't wait for that Sunday night game. Eagles-Seahawks. Seattle is not as good as the old Seahawks. Heck, the Redskins beat them out there. As Brandon mentioned, they've lost two in a row at home. You know, I'm really hoping to see that Maxwell get burned for two or three touchdowns when he's in it. That would be just awesome. I think the Eagles showed them and all of America that our Birds are legit. Eagles, 34-17. 34-17. Well, I'll tell you what. I think the Eagles are going to go out there and they're going to shred that defensive backfield that's all banged up, whoever's even going to be out there. And I think uh, the defense will continue to play well. Uh, Carson Wentz, I think, is going to have a big game. I'm going 31-21, Birds. I like it. Hey, uh, while we have you guys, Fred, while, you ha- while you're on the phone with us, uh, one of our listeners seems to think that you might be interested in one of these football games this Saturday, number two Auburn against number six Georgia in Atlanta for the SEC title. What do you think? Oh, I'm excited for that. This is, uh, I told you a couple of weeks ago, if Georgia uh, wins, wins out after that terrible loss they're in, and they will get in if they win, um, it, it's going to be close. It, Auburn's favored by two and a half, but all the public money's on Auburn, so that tells me that, uh, Georgia's at least going to cover, possibly. So I, I'm obviously I'm a Georgia fan. So um, I think it they it's in the Georgia Dome. <clears throat> so they, I'm obviously going to take Georgia, but it's going to be a fun one. And it's not going to be a blowout like like the last time. Yeah, Auburn won forty to seventeen back on November eleventh. Yeah. Well, hey Fred, let's take that one step further because I know you follow follow that college football. How do you like that Clemson Miami game to go? And how about the Ohio State Wisconsin game? I, I like Ohio State against Wisconsin. I, I don't think – I mean, I, I hate the argument that no one hasn't played anyone because, I mean, you play who's on the schedule. And, and I mean, if you, if you beat the teams, you beat the teams, you know. But um, I go back and forth on that one. Miami, 
and Clemson. I, I, I didn't. Miami, all their games this year they've won, besides that Notre Dame game, have been pretty much close. Um, so I, I think Clemson will, will take them. And, um, yeah, that'll be what, – what would that be? Clemson, then Wisconsin would fall out of the top four. Georgia would go in. I, I'm rooting for mayhem now. I want it to get all crazy, and, and that'll be that'll be yeah. awesome. A final selection. Show. <laughs> well, hey, I we, love the mayhem. This for, for our buddy Big John Roberts. You have a USC Stanford pick Friday night. <laughs> wow, let's roll. Let's roll with the. Uh, Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> you, you're going with Stanford. For no his matter misery, what. Let's roll with Stanford. <laughs> That's USC. That's <laughs> University of South Carolina. Right there, you go. All right, hey Fred. Let's talk about the Eagles for a minute while we have you. With, uh, they're rolling people right now. As we said, the, the stats on the Bears game, zero first downs at halftime uh, by the Bears. They're playing great defense. They're moving the ball. What do, what do you think now is we're 10-1. We're and one, we, We're five up with five to go. Uh, how do you see this playing out? I, it's just really unbelievable. Even the Bears game, how you can fumble the ball so much and still win win by that margin. Like The Bears have beaten some good teams, so – um, or at least stay close. And then all the teams we played, it's just blowout after blowout. We, it's something that we said this a couple of weeks ago when we were just talking about Carson in general. It's something we haven't seen before. Like, I don't, we've never seen this before. We've never been that dominant team that, geez, I mean, 0-4 a little bit, but you just, it's a different feel this time. I, I, I see, it's really tough for me to see them losing. If you, How can you even pick them to lose? I, I see them. I could see them maybe losing to the Raiders on Christmas and, and Dallas that final game, but I, I think they roll. They're going to be the number one seed. And then the only thing to be really nervous about at this point is is experience in the playoffs. But they, they've added some veterans depth-wise that have been in those scenarios. You know, that. so, I, I mean, this is this is exciting stuff, guys. We just enjoy the ride and jump on is, is my attitude towards it. I'm loving it. Yeah, they're they're fun to watch, and uh, you know, I, I was, we were sitting there watching the game last Sunday, and I'm thinking, you know what, this is boring. We're beating the crap out of these guys, and this is boring. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't but, go that hey. far. I think it's it's fun, but yeah, I could tell you, you, but you're right, you know, Bill, because you you find yourself not as in the, like paying attention because you're like, ah, man, it's over. You know, you're you've run to the bathroom a couple of times. You're not as like glued, ready to yell at the TV, you know, because it's just. The game's over. <laughs> right, right. Well, we're looking forward to it. I think these, uh, you know, I think the, the the media might be making a little bit too much out of this whole trip to the West Coast thing. You know, if you're a good football team, you're going to go out there, you're going to take care of your business. You may not win both of them, but I, I don't know that this is any uh, daunting task to go out there and play Seattle and the Rams. Ve- Vegas I'm certainly doesn't think so. You know, they're favored by six. Yep. That's that's crazy for them to go out there and be favored is is pretty crazy. Better a good football team. I'm with you. All right, Fred. Well, hey, uh, we'll talk to you again next week and uh, go birds. Go birds. See you guys next week. All right, see you, Fred. Hey, Chet. We have to talk Sixers and uh, they're playing pretty good ball. As we said, they're eleven and eight. It's although it's still early. It seems like that Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are quickly becoming really consistent stars night in and night out they're not warriors and Cavs ready yet but this team continues to play pretty good ball yeah that they do bill great job by tj mcconnell by the way filling in for ben simmons on saturday jj reddick had a huge game that night also they're getting contributions from a lot of different players 
Simmons came up with a little bit of a gimpy ankle Monday night, but he is in the lineup tonight. He's playing, and we understand that Embiid will not be in the lineup tomorrow night when they travel up to Boston because it's the back-to-back situation. So Embiid will get that night off. They then have a game Saturday against Detroit, so three games in four nights. So they decided to rest Embiid on the trip up to Boston Thursday evening. Um, I like this team a lot. You know that. You know I thought that they're a 43-win team, minimum playoff team. I said fifth seed. So we'll see. Right now they're looking pretty good, 11-8. and eight. They're uh, playing against the Wizards tonight and looking good as we speak. So I'm on the bandwagon. You know that. Yeah. Well, you know, I was riding up the road today. I had a lot of windshield time uh, driving from way down in South Florida. And um, I, I always listen to that college football network. Well, they did an advertisement for the NBA radio. And I wish I knew who said this, uh, but what they said about Joel Embiid, they said he is the most complete center to come into this league in many, many years, like 25. And I'm thinking wow. to myself, wow, you know, I, like I said, I wish I knew who said that, that I could attribute to, to them, but uh, that's, that's quite a compliment for the young guy. Well, yeah, I mean, he can rebound, he can block shots, he can, uh, you know, handle the ball certainly down in the paint, and he can shoot from outside, hit an occasional three-pointer. So he certainly does have it all. I mean, you know, Shaq was great inside, but not a great outside shooter, certainly. Um, maybe they're comparing him to someone like Olajuwon from back in the early 90s. So, uh, yeah, he's he's complete. I would agree. Yeah. Well, hey, Jeb, we're, we're going to have to talk a little Flyers. I know it's painful <laughs> to be talking no. about it right now, but uh, they just can't hold a lead, and the problem isn't necessarily <laughs> the goaltending. They keep blowing two-goal leads. Oh, man, they've lost nine straight games. They've gotten points in five of those games, I know, because they lost in overtime or in a shootout. That's the NHL for you. But that's not good, no matter how you try to spin it. What's really troubling is, as you mentioned, they've blown two-goal leads in four of those games. It's giveaways, it's defensive breakdowns, it's playing with a lack of confidence of late. A losing streak will do that, I know. And then you have GM Ron Hextall saying he doesn't think they're playing that badly. Come on, Hexy. Nobody's buying that. I mean, I know they're a young team, but veteran Wayne Simmons has been nearly invisible of late. And they're just not getting much offense from lots of other second and third line forwards. Hextall also said that coach Dave Hextall isn't going anywhere, but you know, if the losses continue to pile up, I can't imagine that a change wouldn't be made. And I don't buy what he's saying, that they're playing better than this in, uh, losing streak would indicate. As Bill Parcells once said, you are what your record says you are. And right now they're a team that's <laughs> lost nine straight games. Well, and, and, you know, they're playing pretty decent for two, for two periods. And they have two goalies in the third period and can't hold them. So to some degree he may be right, but they can't finish. So, you know – like you say, you are what you are. Uh, you know, I watched that Pittsburgh game, and they, they played very well against Pittsburgh, had them on the ropes, should have put the, you know, stepped on their throat, and couldn't get it done. Yeah, I think I'm the jinx for that one, because I was watching the Sixers play the Cavs, and when that game was pretty much decided, I flipped over to the Flyers-Penguins game just in time to see the Penguins score two quick goals to tie it up. So I'll take the blame for that. Then, of course, the Flyers took the lead, only to give it back, and then they lose in overtime, as they so often have done of late. I don't know. It's just like they look like they're having a lack of confidence in those third periods where they were a little hesitant to make passes. They have those defensive breakdowns that I mentioned. And once the Penguins tied it up in the final minutes, 
who didn't think the Penguins were going to win either overtime or a shootout? I know I did. Yeah. Well, hey, one more topic I want to get to before we get to random thoughts, Chet, and that, that involves our buddy Ray Diddy. We, we, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Ray getting into a little uh, verbal tussle with that Jay Ajayi. What do you think of how that all went down? I didn't see it live, but I, I heard what he did say, that he was questioning whether Ajayi was unhappy about not getting enough carries or whatever. Yeah, you don't see Ray lose it like that too often, but it's kind of fun when it happens. I do enjoy that, I must say. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I don't know what I did see it. I did see it when it happened. And, uh, you know, and Ray just basically, when when they interviewed Ajayi, they got him a little bit after the game, and I guess he was kind of down that he got caught again from behind. He fumbled the ball again. And, uh, you know, the Eagles got a touchdown. But, you know, he wasn't jumping up and down having won that game. And I think Ray, you know, Ray basically said, hey, we're not going to have that here. We can't have that here. And if uh, just shut up and run the ball. Yeah, maybe Ray overreacted. I don't know. But, uh, you know, there has been speculation that Ajayi is a bit of a head case, uh, an occasional me first kind of guy who wants a certain amount of carries. I don't know if that's true or not, but – hey, they're winning by four touchdowns every week of late, so let's not rock the boat. So hopefully that isn't the case. Yeah, well, and, and I think I think that all came out again negatively toward Ajayi because everybody loves Ray, uh, and I'm not, I'm not really sure that was exactly fair. Um, you know, the guy was questioned after the game. He fumbled, and, you know, and he was down on himself a little bit. So I don't know yeah. that he was complaining necessarily, but uh, – it certainly took on a, uh, a head of its own, I guess you'd say. Yeah, I hear you. All right. Well, hey, uh, it's at random thoughts time, Chad. I, I love this. It's the best part of the, my show for you. So it's time to go back. You know why, for you, know you, why you love it? You ready? You know why you love it? You love it because you're getting back at me a little bit for the uh, random Q2 that I had you play last February and March, which, by the way, will be back for a second season so uh, enjoy this putting me on the hot seat because you're going back on in February and March, pal. All right, I'm ready. Here you go. Are you ready? I'm always ready. Eli Manning. Ah, Eli Manning benched in New York after, what, 12, 13 years? I think it was 2004. Um, I actually feel badly for the guy. I think he's been, for the most part, a stand-up guy. And uh, you could tell that it hurt him. I saw the interview where he was a little hurt, a little taken aback by it. But, hey, that's football. You're, the team is 2-9. and nine. The team stinks. It's time to say, hey, maybe this is it. Give Geno Smith a shot, see if he's got anything left. LeBron James. Wow. LeBron, as we saw Monday night when uh, he was in town with the Cavs, which when they beat the Sixers, the guy's still got it. He'll be 33, I believe, in late December, and he's still very much at the top of his game. I don't know if he'll ever consider coming to the 76ers, as some people speculate might happen when his current contract is out. But for right now, the guy is still pretty amazing and fun to watch. How about Carson Wentz being LeBron James' favorite player? Yeah, how about that? Uh, James very supportive of Carson Wentz. And uh, I love that. How can you argue with that? He's a lot of people's favorite player right now. Well, and it's funny that, uh, you know, a lot of people got on to James and he was jumping on the Eagles bandwagon since he's supposedly a Cowboys fan. So I thought that was kind of interesting. 
All right, next yeah. one. How about NFC MVP? Well, you've got to think Carson Wentz is the front runner because they mentioned he and Brady as the entire league MVP front runner. So Carson Wentz has got to be the front runner in the NFC. Uh, the others, I would think, would be Drew Brees. And if he can lead the Seahawks into the playoffs, Russell Wilson, because he's been a one-man show of late because they've got a lot of injuries. They don't have a whole lot else otherwise on offense. Uh, so Russell Wilson and Breeze would be the main competition for Carson Wentz. But right now, it's Carson's to lose. All right. You hit Brandon up on this. I'm going to hit you up on this. Eagles celebration routines. Ah, Here's the deal. I love them after touchdowns. I think they're creative, they're fun, but after a nice defensive play and interception, no, that's uncalled for. Although I did like the electric slide, but you don't need to do it after a defensive play. I think that's overdoing it, but I'm all for the end zone celebrations after a touchdown. As Brandon said, A+. plus. They've been creative and a whole lot of fun. Hmm. Okay. I'll just leave that one go for now. (laughs) It's okay. Chase Utley as the Phil's bench coach possibility. I think we talked about this briefly last week. We uh, we threw this in there. Um, if it happens, I'd be okay with it. I heard somebody on the radio say it might not be a good idea because if, you know, after the first two months of the season, the Phillies are 20 and 40, people are going to be saying, all right, fire Gabe Kapler and hire, bring in Utley as the manager. So I think there is that concern, but – Otherwise, I think, you know, Utley would bring a whole lot of knowledge to the game. Although, I don't know if he's a great communicator. That's my other issue. He's, yeah, he's kind of like a Ryan Sandberg kind of guy as far as communication is concerned. Yeah, well, some of the best players are not necessarily the best coaches and, and managers. Oftentimes, it's the, the exactly. not as good players who are the more successful managers so, or coaches. Yep. So, that that would uh, be interesting to see how that plays out and, you know, we haven't heard anything from Chase on any of that. That We don't know if that was just rumor or what was going on out there. Well, he still hasn't officially retired, so I, he would probably like to get a spring training invite somewhere and hook on with the team again. Right, right. But they'll certainly have to make that decision. You know, they're going to have to name a bench coach long before then. So oh, they'll either have to, uh, you know, move forward, he'll have to retire, or it's not going to happen. Hey, speaking of the Phillies, as you may know, I was uh, there last Friday. They had a big Black Friday sale. I picked up a few items at 50% off at the Majestic Clubhouse. And uh, this Saturday they have their annual – Size XL too, right, I hope. (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, This Saturday they have their uh, annual December event where they finish the day with tree lighting. But before that they have all the broadcasters there. I'm sure Chris Wheeler will be there again. We'll say hello to him. Um, and some of the players are supposed to be there. I think Reese Hoskins is going to take part in at least the tree lighting, if nothing else. And uh, Gabe Kapler is supposed to show up at some point. So I went the last two or three years, and it's definitely a lot of fun. They do it all in the Majestic Clubhouse and on the concourse near the field. So uh, they have live reindeer, reindeer there, and uh, it's definitely a lot of fun. Good to see some Phillies folks and talk Phillies baseball in December. Yeah, and speaking of that, Chet, um, you know, this uh, of Reese Hoskins, you know, the Philly show, memorabilia show, is this weekend also. Uh, yeah, Friday, he'll be there, Saturday too. Reese Hoskins will yep. be there. Mike Schmidt, Steve Carlton will be there as well. Lenny Dykstra is going to be there <laughs> as well. That'll so, be interesting. 
Nah, any any time Dykstra's around, you know, you just never know what might happen. J.P. Crawford, no, you do uh, not. And Charlie Manuel <laughs> going to be there too. So there's going to be a nice crowd. That's at the uh, Valley Forge Convention Center at the uh, at the casino. And my yep, buddy, I will Chip not Brady be there for be that. There as well. What's that? Oh, okay, I will not make that one, unfortunately. Yep. Now Chip Chip will be there as well. And uh, I didn't think about it till you mentioned uh, Reese Hoskins going to be at the clubhouse. He's also going to be signing that show as well. Oh, speaking of right. Chip, not Chip Brady, uh, quick word about Chip Kelly. What do you think about Chip Kelly going back to college coaching? I think it's a train wreck is what I think it is. <laughs> uh, I know that probably surprises you, but uh, it's not as big a train wreck as the University of Tennessee. But, uh, you know, I think it, it'll be interesting to see how Chip does. I mean, he's out there in, in California. He certainly can get recruits to come to L.A. He's a good recruiter. Um, he doesn't have Nike money now, so we'll see how that plays into it. But L.A. is certainly a draw. <laughs> and it'll be interesting to see how he does with the uh, the spread offense. You know, he was kind of a part of the creator of that. Well, everybody does it now, and everybody knows how to stop it now. So it'll yeah. be interesting to see how he adjusts. Um, and also, probably most important for him is Josh Rosen back at quarterback because he's the real deal. So is yeah, he going to have to I'm, start I'm not, over, or is Chip going to have to modify his offense for Josh Rosen, Rosen, who's really I'm good. not rooting, not rooting for or against Chip. I really don't care enough, but it'll be interesting to see what happens. That's for sure. Well, it'll be interesting when they line up against that USC team out there. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, hey Chad, another great guest tonight with Brandon, and uh, so who you have coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week? Well, Bill, you know I'm excited about the 76ers, and we've got a great guest to talk about, Embiid, Simmons, Covington, and company, a guy who really knows his hoops, of course, since he covers the Sixers for the Philly Inquirer. We had him on way back in late June, and I'm happy to tell you that he's making a return visit next Wednesday, the Inquirer's Keith Pompey. Oh, nice. Very good. I did not know that. I've been I've been following a little bit of Keith's stuff, uh, watching him on Twitter a little bit. He's he's pretty excited about the way the Sixers are playing. I think he's a Giants football fan, by the way. Yes, yes, and a University of Pittsburgh uh, Panther fan, yeah. I believe. Yeah, we may have to ask him about that Giants uh, affiliation. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, hey, Chip, uh, Chip, Chet, I, I got Chip on my mind now. Uh, I do not have a parting shot tonight, but I believe uh, if I know right, you certainly do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hard to believe, Bill, but I've actually heard a few people, football fans, question just how good the Eagles are, saying they haven't really played anybody. Come on, get real. They played and beat in Carolina a Panthers team that right now looks like a legitimate playoff threat. They played a Denver team whose defense was supposed to be great against the run, and the Birds ran and ran and ran all over them and putting up 51 points. The Bears aren't great, but they have beaten three playoff teams in the Steelers, Ravens, and Panthers, and they do have a good running attack, except that the Eagles held Chicago's running backs to negative yardage in Sunday's 31-3 blowout win. The Eagles have won their last four games by 23 or more points. They rank at or very near the top of pretty much every statistical category. This team is the real deal, and I think the nation will see that when the Eagles win the Battle of the Birds over the Seahawks Sunday night in Seattle. I am with you. All right. And uh, you, we have about 30 seconds. you have anything you want to toss in here before we close it down? <clears throat> well, you know, we're leaving November and heading into December on Friday. 
And that's when we're going to see just how good the Eagles are and a lot of these other, you know, playoff teams. So I will be watching a whole lot of football every Thursday night and Sunday for the next four or five weeks. Well, I have one stat I wanted to throw at you and Brandon. I never got to it. But mark this down, Chet. December the 18th, 2016, the Eagles lost to the Baltimore Ravens 27-26, to which was their fifth of five straight losses. Since then, they won out in 2016, beating the Giants and beating the Cowboys. So they were 2-0. and And now they are 10-1. and So they've won 12 of their last 13 games. What a great turnaround by Doug Peterson and the guys. Oh, yeah. You can't argue that. And as Brandon said, that's why Dougie P is a candidate for Coach of the Year. Howie Roseman may be Executive of the Year. Uh, it's been a whole lot of fun, and there's a lot more fun ahead, we hope. Yep, and you remember when that started, it was at Seattle last year. They lost to Seattle, Green Bay, Cincinnati, Washington, and the Ravens, and it looked like the wheels had come off. They lost five in a row. Turned it around there at the end and won a couple, and they have sure picked it up from here. Yeah, and as Brandon noted, uh, the, the turnaround, not the turnaround, not that he was bad, but the improvement in Carson Wentz from year one to year two has just been phenomenal. I mean, to go you know from year one when he was okay to a legitimate MVP candidate in year two, just shows how hard a worker he is, how smart he is, how talented he is, and how focused he is. So uh, kudos to Carson Wentz. That, that guy is amazing, and it's not surprising that he's a real MVP candidate. Absolutely. All right. With that, we've reached the top of the hour. Let's thank our special guests, Brandon Lee Yelton, Fred Hugo, Irish Rover Station House, and Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chesko, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, December 6th at 7 p.m. when Keith Pompey joins us. You can listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, our Facebook page, or on the Internet at www.blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, or on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Mixcloud. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. <laughs>